We see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Spit Podcast. Or Spit, just Spit, plain and simple Spit. There's nothing before, there's nothing after. Spit. Spewing Surf Talk. Exactly. Scott Bass and David Lee Scales. Yeah, and we just went surfing together. So, breaking news. (laughs) On this monumental occasion, I mean, this is a hallmark in both of our lives. It's a hallmark in this podcast's history. It's a hallmark for all of Southern California, I would say. <laughs> Hardly a hallmark, but yeah, okay. Cornerstone? Cornerstone? Um, it's a tipping point, perhaps. Is it? Anyway, David was surfing great. I saw David. We went longboarding. I saw David get some great waves. David knows how to surf. He knows how to... Everybody's been wondering. Handle the longer board with style and aplomb. Actually, I expected you to be... Great, which you were. You're being way too nice, dude. Listeners don't like it. I got actually feedback from our last couple of shows. They're like, you guys are too nice to each other now. You need some – you got to be aggravated with each other to make better pot. Some vitriol. Yeah, so I was hoping you'd come on the air and be like, dude, David cooked it so hard. Well, you know, first of all, listeners are right. Great pod is created when there's conflict. Any, Any great content generally has conflict and some resolution to it. And I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers, but the the episode that created a bunch of um, controversy, con- yeah, contention, I guess. Okay, what were the numbers like? Did that get a lot of uh, downloads? Uh, yes, it did for sure. I don't know off the top of my head, but for sure it did. And then our follow up episode after the resolution had even more. And now there are people like, oh god, it's a you guys love, are too it's soft. love fest. <laughs> hey, too we're soft. just being honest. I mean, I know you guys want honesty above everything else. If there was an opportunity, not an opportunity, but if true and sincere contention comes up, we will lay into it. We're not, um, you know, well, I was David hoping, will let me have it. I will. And I was hoping, actually, that you would burn me today so that we can come in hot to this. I did cut I you off, you. but it's, really, it was all though. friendly. It was like, let's just go ride waves together. I think you got approval before we took off on that wave or... I think, like, actually what happened was you caught it from deeper, even though you were kind of off on the shoulder. And so I just said, hey, I'm going to go behind you. And then it was all good either way. As if that matters. Does it? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Well, Instagram is a fire right now because I posted a photo of us surfing together. Everybody knows we've never surfed together in four years. And it's a fire, dude. People are like, it's about time. Other people are like... um, can David even surf? Somebody else is like, who's better? So, um, yeah. I don't think it's a matter of who's better or who's worse. Surfing really comes down to who's having the most fun. I know it sounds cliche, and it is cliche, and it's cliche because it's true. And I would suggest to you that we had... Uh, I agree. Definitely equal amounts of fun. Um, it was one foot, basically, and so we're on longboards, so it's hard not to have fun. Low expectations, and we had the right equipment for the day, so it was all good, man. Surfing waves together actually turns out to be more fun than than not. Yeah, well, and um, you know, we surfed at a spot that has a lot of people, but I think we can all get along. 
Yeah, I think so too. We are, I don't know if we've said it, but it is Sunday morning. We are broadcasting from my kitchen, my dining room, if you will. And um, we're watching the U.S. Open yeah. live on the on the feed, which isn't doesn't make for good pod when we when we're watching. No, but uh, it's better entertainment for us. We need to be entertained too, Scott. Why don't we talk about the um, the big wave event at Puerto Escondido? The waves were huge. Obviously, it was a big wave world tour. I thought it was a little bit too walled off, though. Um, but I'm glad they ran the event because it really. Shows how heroic and how um, much courage these guys have. I mean, Puerto Escondido can kill you. It can definitely break bones. It can definitely put do some damage to you. And um, those conditions there, it was a bit chunky that day. It wasn't, you know, there weren't as many makeable ones as there were the year before. There was, it was right. hard. In fact, I think there was only one or two made tubes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. Um, interesting. I want to love the event so much and like I'm all for the big wave world tour and I'm interested in what all those guys are doing. I'm interested in the guys themselves um, in the way that we've complained about the WSL, not really excavating character out of the CT side of things. I feel for some reason, like they've actually done a better job with it on the world, the big wave world tour. And maybe because it's just, there's so much downtime. That's what they talk about in the downtime. But I, did learn about Tom Lowe, somebody I didn't know before, the Irish guy. And um, we'd certainly gotten to know Kai Lenny. We've gotten to know Billy Kemper. So I actually care about the event and I want to watch it. All that said, it was super boring. I had it on all day. I was excited. I was, when they greenlit it a few days in advance, I Instagrammed it out. I was like, hey, this is happening. I'm super psyched. I'd way rather watch this than the US Open, which was starting on the same day. And I had it on all day and was bored out of my mind. And it's because kind of what you were saying, it was a lot of closeouts with big swell, always in these big wave events. There is a lot of downtime in between waves ridden, but then guys aren't making waves, you know, and it all came down to Kai Lenny in the final minutes of the final, getting this right that he gets blown out of. And that actually redeemed the entire event. That was one wave that was phenomenal. And because of the drama of the time of the timing, it made it extra spectacular. And that guy surfs incredibly, but it was kind of like, had that wave not happened, it would have been a fail. I think the event would have been a failure almost. That's interesting. Let me ask you this in the context of the, the concept that we've thrown out, that I've thrown out before about a new WSL, a paradigm where we chase the best waves and the, the waves are the real stars. Um, this event would happen in September, which, it, you know, more or less, you know, midsummer, late summer, uh, in that new paradigm. Would it excite you if in the middle or the, say, the second third of the season, the WCT guys had to go and surf in this event. Absolutely. Yeah. This event needs to be on the WCT World Tour. Totally. He's cool. You might have to move that camera. Sorry, my dog's... That's where he lays, <laughs> that's where he lays down. Right. Oh, oh, I thought that's you were spot, worried. man. I thought you were worried about my camera no, getting no, like, I don't sniffed. Care about the camera. <laughs> You're vibing my dog. <laughs> Got it. Um, but anyway, so, I, yeah, I, in, in, in the context of that... I. I mean, how much fun would it be if the top 16 surfers in the new WSL paradigm have to go surf those manly waves? I would love that. Yeah, that needs to happen. I, I totally agree. And I think that would actually open up 
opportunities for new guys to be on the top 16. Somebody like Kai Lenny could actually qualify for the world tour if that was one of the events. Kai Lenny, if you were to say, okay, who are the top surfers in the world? Kai Lenny's, and we've talked about this before, he's, if not number one, one A. But I think he's number one. John John. Does John John... John John won the Eddie. Yeah, but does John John kite surf? Does John John do downwind stand-up paddle? Now, I know John John can do all these things, but does he? Like, Kai Lenny is involved in everything. Foiling. Yeah. You're really opening up the definition of surfing with yeah. that. Well, ri- wave, wave riding, I guess. But but kite surfing isn't wave riding. Yeah, yeah, it can be. I mean, those can guys be. ride wave. That's what they do. They ride wave. It's waves. not propelling the, the board. You know, the wind is what's propelling the board in that. And then you might surf on a wave once you uh, kite over yeah, to it. Yeah, look, you, you, it's nitpicking at this point. You're right. We could nitpick about it. I um, think I think John John's a better board rider than Kai Lenny is probably if I had to really think about it. But I do agree with what you're saying. Well, Kai we haven't Lenny, seen Kai Lenny at Pipeline. Like he hasn't been in those events. Like that might you might be surprised. And that's the thing we haven't seen John John on a kite. But I've, we might be surprised. I've seen Kai Lenny in um, at Sapunas, which is a wave similar to Chopu in the big in the Stand Up World Tour. Oh, okay. And he was absolutely charging on a on the total wrong equipment, you know, like an eight, six, three and a half inch thick, you know, 27 inch wide standup board. And he was absolutely pulling in and just getting sandblasted out of the barrel. Like he's, he's insane. He's everything. Like don't discount that this guy can't surf pipe. Now I'm not saying he's John, John Florence, a pipeline, but he hasn't put in the time, but I think you'd be surprised, like if there wasn't a, a tour where it was kind of like everything, like a Waterman's tour, so yeah. to speak. Obviously, Kai Lenny is your Waterman. He is the Waterman, right? You, you love yourself some Kai Lenny, man. The guy's insane. I mean, he, <laughs> he does it all, and he he does it all really well. Yeah. So, I, it's not. I mean, it's not that I love Kai Lenny. I'm just saying that you know his actions speak louder than my words. Just look at what he's done. You love your some guy, Lenny. <laughs> I'm a fan too. I'm a fan too. Um, so it's funny. The Puerto event, did you watch it live in real time or did you just see the highlights? And did you feel the same way that I do about just being bored by it? Yeah, I watched it in real time and um, it was boring. And big wave events can be boring. And that's not on you and I. That I mean, obviously, no. that's on the WSL. They need to continue to figure out ways to fill those voids yeah i wonder if they care so much like how much does the real-time viewership matter as opposed to the post-production packages that they can get out there i have a feeling kyleni's final wave on youtube probably has more views than the event had live and maybe that's equally important to them or more important to them and more valuable to them even you know i'm not sure well, as we watch the U.S. Open, I believe your guy, Carlos Munoz. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? It is how you say his name, and you're not the only one who mispronounces it. I heard um, one of the commentators, the the you know professional broadcasters, mispronouncing it as Munoz, which is Alejo's last name. Um, but yeah, what? Did he make it through his heat? Yes, he's in the semifinals. Okay, perfect. So we got, right now, we're watching the quarterfinals. So we got Kanoa's through, Felipe's through, Carlos is through. I'm looking for a Kanoa is going to win a U.S. Open at some point, if not today. He's made two semifinals the last two years in a row, now the third. And um, the guy's just a competitive, you know, he doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, there's no doubting that he's got it together. As 
he's proven on the tour this year. I love watching him, especially in Huntington. Um, so I've got some listener follow-up, if you want, from previous show. Remember you were giving the best competitive moments in pro surfing? Yes. And we were kind of trying to freestyle it. Yeah. And listeners, of course... Uh, who came up with some great ones, way better ones than we did. <laughs> yeah, it was so, the top. By the way, it was the top five all-time competitive moments in pro surfing history. Yeah. Right? Fat Aki commented. What did Fat Aki have? To Fat say? Aki said, "Okay, I'm going to throw my unsolicited opinion around right now because I'm a family, or because I'm fairly disappointed with Scott's fading octogenarian." <laughs> Good word, <laughs> octogenarian memory in regards to the top five defining moments in pro. Uh, competitive pro surfing david gets a pass because he's a millennial and everyone knows that their memories are only as long as noah dean's last snapchat <laughs> oh my god that is good this guy's great Bad hockey's burning us dude he's making some good points though the way he's doing it so scott's fading octogenarian memory do you yes. know what octogenarian means does it refer to Aki? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Fat Aki knows what that word is. It, it's a person who is between 80 and 89 years old. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Fat Octogenarian. <laughs> so here's my list. Maybe it can shake loose some of that um, golden mental ore that's being pinched by Scott's memory by that visor that is too tight. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me Before you get into the Fat Aki's list, let me say that the previous show that he's talking to, we, we said right up front that... Look, this list, we were just kind of riffing it off the top of our heads. And we were sure that we didn't nail it. And we wanted some feedback. So we're getting it. So go ahead. We didn't ask for the insults, though. Well, that's part <laughs> part and parcel. Part and parcel. Especially the if internet. they're clever. At least Fat Aki's clever. It's, pretty, it's a self-deprecating name that he gave himself. So I feel like he yeah. has a right to then sling exactly. mud. So this is in no particular order. Tom Curran, Trials to Title. The whole year was an amazing moment. There's no doubt. That's yeah. a great call. Absolutely. Do you know what year it was, by the way? I want to say it was like 91 or 92, okay. something like that. So he said you could search out the win. Um, There's a whole video that's made. It's called it's called like Trials to okay. Champion or something like that. There's okay. a whole, I think Alan Gibby put, on a, put out a video. Okay. So three videos document every heat he won from the trials to the win at the event, the Japan event. Um, Think about that. That's yeah. to go through every event as a trialist. You have to win the trials. So that was it. Was every event that year? It wasn't yeah. just he did the trials in one event and then no. Every event he had to go through the trials right. and he won the world. That'll never ever be done. Well, you can't do it now, right? Because the format's different. But yeah, and there's not always trials events. I don't think for every event no. there. And how many events did he win that year to win the? World I don't event? know. Fat Aki better come hard with some stats. I know. The fact that he repeated this over an entire year cements his Neo in the Matrix understanding of competitive surfing. I it agree. could be the top one when you think could about be. it. It could be the, you know, but now it, that's a whole, like, is that a competitive moment? He's arguing that the whole year is an amazing moment in, in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, I think that you would need to categorize, you know, competitive years. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. there's guys like, you know, I, I don't know. There's some guys like I, I want to say, look, Wilco would be at the bottom, you know, wins the first two events and then doesn't win the world title. You right. know, like so those I think I think we need a top five competitive years, perhaps. Totally. But I think, you know, when we originally had this conversation, it was let's think of a flashpoint where everything changed. This was based on Felipe doing the double right. alley oop at J. Right. So that was a flashpoint. I where don't now think a year can be a flashpoint though, do you? Only in hindsight. 
Yeah, you know maybe, what I mean? Maybe. But I, I agree with you. No. It seems like a different category. But it's uh, undeniably the best performance yeah. over I – mean, it's insane. It's insanity. So uh, this second point from Fat Aki, I would love to get your commentary on. Dave Parmenter paddling out on a log against a webbed-up neon Dave McCauley. In the 1988 OP Pro. That was a really classic moment. And that was a real F you. I'm quitting the tour. I'm sick of this stuff. But was it a top five competitive moment? It was certainly, um, you know, it was it was culturally important. That's, that's the point that Fat Aki's making. It was a flashpoint. He says... Revolutionary theater mocking the charade that pro surfing had become woke up an entire generation of kids to the idea that something else was out there beyond the three to the beach bikini contest riot zone. A coincidence. This is a question. A coincidence that 10 years later, those very kids grew up, grew beards and made movies like Litmus. I think not. Well, I don't think spawned a movement. I don't think it spawned a movement just because it, there wasn't enough media around that. First of all, the, the mainstream surf media didn't want any, didn't want to acknowledge it. I mean, they did a little bit, but it wasn't like today where like there's Instagram and he would add a million followers and everybody would have been, oh yeah, and everyone saw it and everyone knew about it. It just wasn't in the limelight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to trace back, you know, longboard hipster movement, you got to look to Joel and that whole crew of guys, um, that duct tape invitational vibe. That's really what spawned. The guys that you and I were surfing with this morning, mm-hmm. that whole new hipster longboard scene is is really I, I don't think you can you can pin that on Dave Parmenter's move, but you cannot um, take away yeah. what Dave did and, and and it was classic Dave Parmenter. I mean that is just a classic Dave Parmenter move to just I kind of go out with you know a, a message. Was that his final? Was that his I final think hit? it was. I mean, so, we'd have to ask Dave, but I believe at that point he was just like, this think, is my last year on tour. I hear what you're saying about Joel and all those, but like Joel's longboard movement, duct tape invitational stuff, that exists in its own little world. And it's, they're just, that's status quo for them. I feel like what's important about Dave was he was outside of that world. He was living in this other world yeah. and he threw a complete wrench in the gears yes. to say, hey, pro surfing that it doesn't all have to be this way there's also this movement that's happening that now you know i don't think dave was i agree with you but i don't think that dave was trying to highlight the movement that was happening in the longboard world i believe dave was going hey don't forget phil edwards like he went out there and did phil edwards drop knee cutbacks and stuff like dave's all about phil edwards yeah and i mean you'd have to ask dave but i sense that he was going you know what? Let me show you some clean surfing in this two-foot crap. This is the board that needs to be ridden today. Not this, you know, 18 and three-quarter inch wide, two-inch thick, hyper-rockered shortboard. Yeah. This is the wrong equipment for these crappy waves. And if you're really going to judge good surfing, watch what Phil Edwards can do. How did the judges handle that heat? I think they just rode him off. Yeah. You know, but he maybe lost. Fat, I don't know. I'm sure he lost. Fat Aki would have to chime yeah. in. <laughs> How do you... Um, you know Dave, and you've worked with Dave at the boardroom show and stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dave? I get like I've done a couple of shows with him, and I get um, kind of very bipolar feedback. Like people love him and think that he's a genius, and then other people are like, "Okay, the guy's smart, but he seems arrogant." I think they're both right. Yeah, I think they're both right. I think both camps probably sum up Dave. Hmm. I've always been in. Um, 
I've always been sort of like, like he's kind of, he's kind of like older brother vibe. Like I've always looked up to him, you know, um, and he's always looked down at me, <laughs> like the younger. As all older brother should. <laughs> but I, I, I think. I think that he's really smart. He's obviously really brilliant. He's incredibly well read. Yeah. Um, but he's incredibly opinionated. Right. You know, like, like all super intelligent, like a lot of super intelligent people, he's, he can be polarizing. Yeah. And he is. And, um, but I, I also don't think, the thing is, is that his polarization is backed up by so much intelligence that you can't just go, oh, that guy's full of it. You right. know, like he, he backs it up with tons of legitimate, intelligence right i don't think there's such thing as illegitimate intelligence that's a good point probably not um i like him a lot and i it's weird i'm kind of conflicted about it because arrogance is something that rubs me the wrong way just in general you know and among other people i don't really give it a free pass but and i'm not sure that he even is i'm just telling you what listeners have given feedback on and uh for some reason i just really enjoy his company or or i think maybe if i think about it he doesn't come across that way in person. Exactly. Maybe he comes across that way on the mic and writing, and in like writing. people he's hear quick, that. He's quick. He's acerbic. He's incredibly stinging, and he's sarcastic, and and it's such smart writing that some people don't even see it. Like it goes right. over people's heads. But it, but then one on one, he's like very sensitive, very um, sincere, like the nicest dude ever. Just one on one. So. I guess I kind of understand people's feedback about it, but it's not my personal experience with him, you know? So. Yeah. He, look, he's, he's a one of a kind. He's, a, he's an interesting character. Point number three from Fat Aki, Kelly Slater winning the 1990 body glove surf bout. The world was put on notice that everything was about to change. Bud Lamas still chafes under the delusion that he won this heat, not just a changing of the guard, more like a shift of consciousness. Kind of funny that Kern won his first contest at Trestle, same age as Kelly. At the same age as Kelly. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't think that's in the top five. Um, I think you, you you know you might be able to argue it. Um, it was one of those things where the surf media was the surf world was just chomping at the bit to to give Kelly the the, the reins, you know, to give him the to give him the keys to the castle, so yep. to speak. And, of course, he deserved it. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it was like nobody was surprised that he won the body. You know, it, it, yeah. it was like, yeah, of course, the guy absolutely, you know, is the man. And, yeah. you know, and was for 20 years. And yeah. I say was. Did you notice right. that? I said was. I did, yeah. Sounds um, like you're shifting your consciousness. I kind of am. Yeah. I think uh, it's over. Well, Part uh, points, but for, I don't know if that's at the top. Well, I mean, when you say top five, as I'm looking at points ahead. four and five, I'm realizing if you shut down those first three, you're definitely not going to have points four and five. So we don't have to spend a ton of time. Well, the on beautiful them. thing is, is that these types of lists are great for talking about, you know, over a cup of coffee. You know, yeah, I, or for I, the I think, inertia to sell a click through. Right, <laughs> the top five segments. Top five this, top five that. I think that Fat Aki brings. Um, Valid and, and well thought out points. I think that they could be argued. You know, like I'm just saying, maybe, maybe not. You know, like I'd like to hear more. Yeah, yeah. Well, his number four point, Martin Potter's 1989 uh, world title, which again isn't really a flashpoint. It's a it's a year. Um, and then the fifth one was Dane Reynolds destroying Parko at the 2010 Snapper Contest, which I agree. I remember that it was spectacular to watch. But again, 
not a not a flashpoint. I think the flashpoint for Dane Reynolds is that um, club sandwich he did at Holly Eva. Yeah, it was the layback. It didn't fully go into reverse, uh, but it was the biggest layback heard around the world. Yeah, that was a. I mean, but again, I don't even think that's a top five. But you know, there have been so many shift. great, and the and the real problem is is that say from two thousand and seven on, we've real in the last ten years, we've really had way more access to all the content yeah so we true. we tend to be really focused in on that stuff and so much radical stuff happened in that, like 1994 or 1998 you know 70s 80s you could say the chopu qs event that um kobe aberton won that summer suggesting that um who's the pro that had some issues conan hayes was should have won oh, i don't remember that oh they're saying yeah, conan yeah. It was, back then i think it was top three waves or maybe top four anyway there were some judging questions in that and many thought conan hayes won because he got the most incredible bomb and i think he got two of them and his third wave wasn't as solid but point is is that that was a that qs event was right when like pictures were showing up on the internet everyone was still dialing up there was no broadband but you started to instantly get images of Chopu and you'd get quotes from guys like Brad Gerlach that were going, you know, Brad was going, this was legitimately freaky, no, like scary, like surfing in the event. Like it was oh. 10 to 12 foot Chopu and nobody had ever surfed in an event at this wave in these types of conditions. Like it, it was like, uh oh, there's a there's something on tour now that's gnarlier or as gnarly as Pipeline. And oh, my God, we're going to have to deal with it. I mean. Those QS warrior types were just, you know, like it, like yeah. it came down to Conan and Kobe for a reason because those guys know how to surf slabs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think it was – I want to say it was – I think it was 98. Okay. Or right in – and that's when all of a sudden Billabong went, oh, my God, we got to snap up this event. Yeah. And this needs to be ours, you know, and it immediately became a, a CT event. Yeah. Or an ASP Dream Tour event at, at the time. Um, talking about competitive prowess, I got an email from Isho Sweet Tama, who's a big supporter of the show. He was asking about what's going on this year. Like, Carissa Moore is in eighth place. That's unheard of. Josh Kerr is one. He hasn't had one heat win all year. He's saying Chloe Andino is 14th, and that's exactly where he should be. Um, which is a guy that you and I have argued is world title contender. Isho's saying that he isn't. So just a really topsy-turvy year, which you and I have talked about. Actually, the end of his paragraph was, I think, most relevant to you. He said, I must confess, I recently bought a gaff helmet. Uh-oh. Not long ago, I fell awkwardly on a wave, took a rail straight to the face, and broke my nose. $4,000 and eight weeks out of the water. Uh, but at least it wasn't a fin to an eye. As a 40-something with two young kids, the helmet seemed prudent. The real test will come next week when I get to surf again and actually have to wear it. But I was making fun of you for wearing a helmet, and uh, I got a lot of hate about that, dude. People are into the helmet. Yeah, I don't know if they're into the helmet so much as that they're into, look, personal choice, who cares, you know, wear a helmet, don't wear a helmet, that we shouldn't be too caught up in what other people are wearing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, the helmet's a lot more popular than I realized. (laughs) Look, if you have a chop hop, you should probably wear a helmet. Just <laughs> no, you don't want to tamp down the chop hop. <laughs> what do you do to your hair to make it so that it's constantly chop hopping? It's it's constantly got some product in it or something. It's a natural gift, actually. Uh, uh, yeah. DNA. 
Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, those are the follow-ups I got from last show that we recorded. Actually, somebody wanted to know about all the new drones that are floating through the lineup. Is that a nuisance for you? Carl, uh, Carl Yoder thinks it's a nuisance. I think they're kind of a pain. I mean, part of what we're doing is trying to get away from some of this stuff. You know, yeah. we're going out into the ocean. I can see how people are a little chapped yeah. by drones flying overhead. I've, I think we've all been in the water when they've been overhead, and you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of lame, you know. And yeah, just a little incessant buzzing yeah, going on. Yeah, it just seems a little Big Brother-ish. But the footage looks so killer, though. Like whenever I see, you're all about the footage, no matter what. Whenever I see the drone footage, I'm like, man, that is amazing technology. Content. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we were talking about Kelly Slater a little bit. Uh, is him breaking his foot the best thing that's ever happened for us on Instagram, viewing him arguing with crazy flat earthers? And like, I feel like now that he has a ton of downtime, he's just like the craziest he's ever been. <laughs> Why is he engaging flat earthers? I, I have do no not idea, know. Dude. Like he, he's really kind of dug in there. It's awesome though, right? It is awesome. It is awesome. It's crazy. I love everything he's been posting lately. I'm just eating it up. It's the best. <laughs> he's like taking photos of his foot and then drawing like happy faces on the scars and like and then posting it. It's so silly. Lordy. Um, did you hear that he has Kelly Slater Wavepool secured a permit? No. Okay, dude. Give me some insight. Kelly Slater's Wave Pool will host events and music festivals this coming year. A little more? Yep. They've secured a permit which allows up to six events per calendar year, including recreational and competitive surfing events and ancillary music performances during two- to four-day periods. So why do you think they're doing that? To monetize this multi-million-dollar well, investment? At, well, n- not only to monetize What they want to do is proof of concept. They want to prove that we can do this so that... The Olympic committees go, okay, cool. Um, other Red Bulls and other, whoever it is, other uh, companies that might come on as sponsors or that have dollars that are looking to invest that are sitting on the sidelines. This is an opportunity for the WSL and the new CEO. What's her name? Stephanie or something? Sophie Goldschmidt. Sophie Goldschmidt. For her to kind of go, okay, this is important. I mean, you saw it in her press release that the WSL needs to ramp up this technology and get proof of concept. So they're like, okay, let's have some events. Let's have a party. Let's have some rock music. Let's do this. Let's show that it can be done. Then we'll start selling, licensing the crap out of this product to everyone. Yeah. And um, I mean, when you think about it, like if you're an investor and let's say you're in Europe or you're in Texas or wherever you are and you're like, I want to do this. I just want to see proof of concept. They pull it off and then they come to you and they go, look, we've shown you this. And this is also what we're going to do. We're going to have Kelly Slater at your event. He's going to be there signing off on it, kicking it off. He's going to do autograph signings. Kelly Slater, it's like when they build golf courses. Tiger Woods shows up at the opening of his the golf course that he designed, you know, and they cut the ribbon yeah. and everyone's there to see Tiger and they all play the course. And it's just going to be that way with Kelly. I mean, they're going to market Kelly as much as they market the technology. And, and, the, and Kelly's really the answer to this thing, you know, getting some traction. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Would you go to an event there? Go see a music festival? No, but I'm not the demographic that... Yeah. You know, you get to surf the pool, though, maybe. I mean, I have tickets to go to the belly up to see a band tonight. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> it's just a block away. You know, <laughs> who are you going to see? Uh, 10,000 Maniacs. 
No way. Yeah. They're not playing with Natalie Merchant anymore. No, they're obviously. not playing with Natalie. But Merchant. they still play all their old songs? I don't know. It's not even. It, my wife is into them. I don't even know any of their songs. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan, dude. You know a bunch of their songs, guaranteed. Do I? Like, if you heard them, you would definitely know them. Yeah, but without Natalie Merchant, it's kind of like. Natalie Merchant is my, like, super embarrassing secret crush. Really? Yeah. It's no longer a secret, no, my friend. No, it really is. There's going to be Instagram mashups of you and Natalie Merchant <laughs> kissing and stuff like that. I hope there are. I would love <laughs> that. I'll frame it. Um, but seriously, like, not classically beautiful by any stretch of the imagination, but for some reason, when she's on stage, she owns it and she's got a tremendous amount of confidence. Her voice is amazing and her music's amazing. And so it's captivating. You know, you almost like overlook. The fact that she's not classically beautiful and you're just captivated by her. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan. She can grab the room. She really can, yeah. And, you know, so I did some follow-up. I'm like, okay, 10,000 Maniacs, they're playing. You know, so I bought the tickets and I'm looking into the 10,000 Maniacs and I realize, okay, they're not with Natalie Merchant and they've just put out a new album. Oh, no. Yes, exactly. I went, uh-oh, they're going to be playing a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. Why not just change your name? That's kind of a ripoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I you're agree. gonna be Ten Thousand Maniacs. You better play the old stuff, and you better get somebody that sounds just as close to Natalie Merchant as possible. Yeah, and change, sing all the old stuff. Change the name to Nine Thousand Nine Hundred and Ninety Nine Maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> they lost Natalie, so they're one down. Um, yeah, I, there. Our time in Eden, I think, was the album I'm thinking of. Like, there was phenomenal albums from like first track to the last track. So we're closing this show out today with a 10,000 maniac song. All right, good. Make it one that we all know. All right. Yeah, I will. You should nothing off their new album, but you should go to that concert for sure. We might. I mean, yeah, we should. I have really nice seats, really nice tickets. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, what else, man? You got, you've been watching the U S open. Um, I've been watching a little bit of it. I'm watching it now. Yeah, me too. Um, and is Patrick Godowskis getting through? No, I think he's going to get taken out by Thomas Hermes. Why do you say that? There's two minutes and 80 seconds left. No, 50. Wait. Thomas? Tomas is in the lead, and Pat only needs a four. Oh, you're six kidding. Four. But, I updated my thing. It's not updating. Oh. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, I got it. So Two-minute warning. Two-minute warning. Can he get a four six four? He totally could, but... Looks Who do you fun. want? You know, to be honest, I'm a huge Godowskis clan fan, but I don't think I need those guys on tour. You know what I mean? I'd like, be stoked to see Tanner. Yeah, I think Tanner's got tenacious. some spark. Totally. You know, he's kind of a pit bull. I agree. But I don't think, and I don't actually need Tomas on tour any, either, so right. I guess it's kind of, I'll go for the local boy. I'll go for Pat in this event. And if Pat does well in the U.S. Open, does he climb into the rankings on the QS to potentially qualify for next year's CT? It's a 10,000-point event, so yeah, it's Everybody, huge. yeah, it's, huge. it's a big deal. If he did well here and then went, to the Triple Crown and did well there, you could theoretically qualify on just those events. Oh, wow. Um, so, okay, U.S. Open. I've got a number of thoughts I want to share with you. Okay. Four-man heats. It's pretty exciting, dude. Like, as much as I love the world or the CT format that we've all kind of gotten used to, watching this event is a shock to the system to have four guys in the water. There's a lot more going on. I think it's more applicable in Huntington than maybe it would be elsewhere because there's just a lot of waves kind of up and down the beach. So you can spread out. And if it's only two guys in the event, there'd be a lot of waves that went unridden, especially early in the event when the waves were big. Although just as a side note, you were saying Puerto Escondido looked closed out. Huntington beach was so closed out those first couple of days. And I've surfed it a million times like that. 
for any normal surfer, those waves were straight closeouts. The fact that these guys were doing one or two turns is only reflective of them being professional surfers. But like for anybody watching on the internet going, oh, Huntington's actually pretty good. Those waves look fun. No chance. You and I could not do a turn out there. Yeah. So um, to their credit, though, they're ripping. But again, that four-man format, I don't think we need it on the, on the CT level, but I liked it here. Do you huh. have thoughts? I, I haven't watched enough of the U.S. Open. I'm not um, – it's not – I'm just – I'm not intrigued. I'm not engaged. Um, I watch some heats on um, Instagram. You know, occasionally the WSL or Vans would be putting up sort of like highlight reels on Instagram. And um, four-man heats, I, I just – I don't have an opinion. Yeah. I wish I could sit here and say, oh, I love it or I hate it and this is why. But I, I'm not a fan of – of Huntington Beach as a surf contest site. I'm not going right. to watch a contest at Huntington Beach. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I am a fan just because it's more exciting to watch four guys in the water than two as a viewer. But I think the failure of the format is that the best surfer often loses. You know, like yeah. it, with, it, with regularity, like guys who are the best surfer in the heat are getting fourth place. So there's something wrong there. And it's disheartening to watch hundreds of people travel from around the world to come surf this event, and then the best ten of them lose within the first few rounds. Something's there's, wrong. With there's that. a reason why they had to pay Kelly Slater like a hundred thousand dollar show up fee or whatever. I didn't know they were doing that. Oh yeah, were they? I think so. Yeah, crazy. I think Vans and Hurley and those guys back when it was the Hurley thing. Yeah, they're like, just please show up, and right? You know, we, we need you here. Yeah. Um, this is a side note. We'll come back to the U.S. Open. But Hurley, we're talking about Kai Lenny and John John. It's like those guys are both on Hurley. Hurley's killing it. Curly's like in the business. They're killing it. Are they selling? Is Nike selling them? Have you heard any of this? No. Why? Have you heard this? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This has been – so I reached out. This was – I think they did a story on Beach Grid about it a month or two ago. And so I reached out to a couple of the guys there, and everybody's like, look, off the record, those rumors have been going around for 10 years that Nike's going to sell Hurley. Um, there's more rumors now than ever, but there's nothing definitive. I just thought maybe you would have some sort of insider trading info. No, no okay. I really don't have any insight into it. Um, yeah. I do know that, look, Nike, they they got out of the golf business, at least the hard the hardware side of it. Um, they've gotten out of skateboarding, right? Are mm -hmm. they selling skate shoes still? I don't know. But they've definitely pulled back on budgetary stuff regarding, okay. I don't know if Nike 6.0, that got shelved. The Nike surf team got shelved. And it all transitioned to Hurley. Yeah, which is Hurley. kind of like code for let's move the market share. Let's, like, why are we competing against each other, first of all? Yeah, yeah. And so since Hurley's going to be our surf brand, let's focus on Hurley. And then eventually they're like, look, Relative to the world, I don't know what the numbers are that Hurley's bringing in, but they're it's a loss leader, or I don't, you know, yeah. maybe it's making ten million dollars for them. I mean, Nike's so huge that they're kind of like, look, we can get rid of this segment of our business and focus those resources on what we do good, which is basketball and real, you know, team sport, and, yeah. and running and all that stuff. Soccer, I'm sure they'd love to get into World Cup, you know, like. Let's take that money and and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just divested that, that whole trip and sold that section of their business. Okay, well we'll keep an eye on it. Um, 
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So back to the U.S. Open. Have you seen the peer slams? No. Have there been some good peer slams? Now I'm interested. Smashed. <laughs> now I'm totally involved. People are getting smashed, dude. Wow. Uh, have you ever run into a pylon? No. <laughs> Neither have I. And no. I've, you know, I've surfed, again, Huntington a lot and shot the pier but only when I'm like very got a very clear line and there's zero risk at all. Yeah. Well, on the earlier days in this event, the waves were well overhead and actually like breaking through the pier even because yeah. usually the wave kind of breaks up yeah. on either side of the pier. Some of them were breaking through the pier and guys were like doing big turns in the section right before the pylon coming down almost like with, uh, you know, water in their eyes and stuff like that and just going straight through the pier really without even knowing whether they had a clear line they just needed the score wanted the score and we're just going to do it regardless so um bina lopez did that came down from a big backside turn basically ran straight into a pylon broke his nose oh my god lacerations all over the body um didn't continue his heat obviously like just came in to the water and they took him to the hospital and stuff he's going to make a full recovery but straight ran into a cement that's gnarly man so gnarly lakey peterson hit it and got cut up coco ho grazed it didn't even fall off her board but like grazed it and cut up her arm because those muscles on it are like razor sharp yeah you know yeah but makes for spectacular viewing dude when the waves are like that big people are hitting the pier they've got the shark um drones and guys surveying the lineup like it actually creates this gladiator arena type thing that makes it really good viewing much better viewing than what you and i are looking at right now which yeah. is lake huntington yeah you know um but the pier slams i thought were all time um, i need to see uh some highlights of the yeah, pier I'll, slams. I'll send them to you let's uh, put them on the spit site yeah totally so st- uh in regard to the commentary team strider is actually killing it dude he's in the booth this year yeah He's actually doing better than he's ever, as far as I'm concerned, than he's ever done. Yeah. Rosie is awesome, and her husband, Ian Folk, is actually doing beach interviews. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's killing it, too. Killer. I, I, love to I see had him. no idea. I'm glad that, that Strider and the rest of them are doing well. Yeah. And one other highlight, Jadson Andre, 
got a barrel into the pier, like came out right almost into the pier, shot the pier, and then ripped the wave on the north side. I think I saw that wave, actually. Epic, dude. The wave, it, Strider was like, that looks like Indo. Like the way the thing broke was just like a perfect left barrel into the pier. So that was another highlight of the event for me. Cool. Jaddy boy. All right, what do you got, dude? Well, regarding the, the U.S. Open, um, there was some, you know, discontent, if you will, on Instagram from Joel Tudor about the IMG, Vans, U.S. Open people, whoever, the WSL, whoever it is that makes these decisions, asked that they don't do the duct tape invitational longboard portion of the event this year. And... Um, Joel got on Instagram and kind of just let his feelings be known, which he does. He's a very opinionated guy, and he's not afraid to opine. And um, he's, you know, to say that he's, let's just say that he didn't have anything nice to say about the WSL. Okay. Apparently, the WSL said, we do not want Joel Tudor's duct tape invitational. Do you have any idea why? I think part of it could be, um, you know, Joel's opined about the WSL and the their sort of, they focus on the performance or performance longboarding, you know, for their for their world longboard championships, the WSL longboard tour. Right. It's pretty performance oriented, you know. Joel's all about that classical longboarding, single fin nose rides, classic drop knee bottom turns, all that stuff. And That's the WSL the pro is. surfers, uh, pro longboarders are way more about surfing their longboards like it's a shortboard. And I know that Joel's um you know, chimed in about that recently even. And that's why they had the duct tape invitational was to allow him to express that style of surfing for allow that style of longboarders to have a platform. So why do you think they can the event though? <clears throat> well, I sense that, that there's, it's gotten to a point where there's friction between what the WSL wants um, regarding how their longboarding is judged versus Joel and Joel can make people uncomfortable, you know, and I think the WSL is starting to get uncomfortable with some of his comments and they're just like, you know what, let's just nip this thing in the bud. You know, we, we're not sure we want longboarding to go to competitive longboarding to go to a place where it's, you know, 1967. Um, I'm really, I want to get your raw feedback and thoughts on Joel you're saying Joel's uncomfortable, makes people uncomfortable. I don't know him personally, but I do see that he tends to have conflict with people. And certainly on Instagram, he's always calling people out and creating issues um, or participating in issues. Maybe he's not actually creating them. I'm fascinated by the guy. Like, what's your – give me a psych, psychological analysis. Well – you know, I'm too close to the issue, really. To, That's to get. why your opinions matter. <laughs> I like Joel a lot. I've known Joel since he was, you know, nine years old. And um, and Joel can be opinionated, you know. Joel's Joel likes to get and stir it up, mm -hmm. you know. And, and the thing is, is that he kind of backs it up. His surfing's in incredible. He's probably... You know, if not the greatest longboarder, one of the greatest longboarders, along with you know David Nueva and some others, Nat Young, and um, and and my, you know my opinion is is that he likes to opine. You know, he likes he 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 will be heard. 
you know um i don't know if i'm giving you what you want you don't no. seem like well i'm curious what's a, what's i a, guess let me a, ask you yeah a, ask me a better question is he one. angry he seems angry i think that there's some i think that there's some discontent and anger that stirs right below a very what seems to be a calm and cool i think you know he's like he can be calm and cool and collected but if you he can quickly turn okay let's just say that yeah well i didn't realize that some of those instagram comment or that post was about um the duct tape invitational the one thing that i saw him talking about was he was pissed about the WSL having Corona as an alcohol sponsor for the event and oh. saying like alcohol is damaging, blah, blah, blah. But hypocrisy of all time, Pacifico sponsored the duct tape invitational for however many years, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like, why are you throwing mud dude? When you were the guy who was involved with Pacifico, you know? And at the same time, while he was, um, you know, talking negatively about alcohol and the effects that it has on your body he was also promoting like weed like oh this is my involvement with weed maps which is actually a um positive thing and whatever so it stirred up a lot of controversy a lot of people had a lot to say about that well it's funny that you say that because um sort of my main topic today is this thing that i saw in stab magazine i don't know if you saw this but weed maps put out a video with Nathan Fletcher. I watched it. Yeah, I watched it too. And in it, Nathan Fletcher's base, he says, yeah, I smoke weed, so what? Yeah. That's basically what he says. That's kind of the the theme of the video. Now, it shows him rolling a joint, smoking it, going surfing, going to eat, going skating. It's all kind of cool. And it's all under the guise of, hey, I'm stoned, and this is what I do when I get stoned. Yeah. And, um, you know... I don't – first of all, let me say that I am for the legalization of all drugs. I think the war on drugs is a joke. I think we should legalize everything. Heroin, crystal crack, coke, pot, alcohol, all of it. Make it all legal. And take the war on drugs, all the money that goes into the war on drugs, and and create rehabs and um, and – more importantly, an incredible nationwide mainstream marketing campaign that talks about the evils of putting poison in your body. And let's be clear, you know, psychoactive drugs such as the cannabinoids found in marijuana, alcohol, um, opiates that are found in uh, opioids that are found in opiates like, you know, whatever, Xanax, heroin. All, you know, what's that gnarly one that's out there? Um, Oxycontin. All of these things. Let's make them all legal. Got to be 21. You can, 21, go down to the store and put the poison in your body. My feeling is, look, poison is legal. Like, you can go down to the store and buy a can, pan, a can of paint and huff it and go do it. More yeah. power to you. My feeling is if we legalize it, first of all, we'd get rid of the cartels. Yeah. There would be no cartels. Right. Um, we would make tax revenue now that's not why i would want to legalize it but i just feel like we've gotten to a place but look we're gonna we may lose a generation like it wouldn't surprise me if there was a bunch of deaths and that's sad but at some point there needs to be some personal responsibility if you're gonna take drugs you're potentially going to die so go do it go take your drugs if you want to take your drugs now i'm not saying that marijuana is that way and i'm not i'm just saying uh, my problem not my problem but what I wanted to ask you about regarding this weed maps video is that 
First of all, the demographic for Stab Magazine, I would argue, is closer to 13 to 21 years old than it is 21 to 31. Now, to smoke weed in California legally and recreationally, you have to be 21 years old. Just like alcohol. You have to, to be able to drink, you have to be 21. So the fact that they're marketing weed to 13-year-olds, to 14-year-olds, to 15-year-olds, I have a problem with that. I think that that is, um, you know, it's just not responsible. Yeah. And at worst, it's there's a lot of legal exposure there for you. So I, I'm questioning, you know, first of all, Stab Magazine must be making some money from Weed Maps. They oh, must, of course. Yeah. There's some dollars being exchanged there, and they're willing to go, hey, you know what? If you're a reader of our magazine or our website, we want you to see this, that Nathan Fletcher smokes weed, and we're putting it up there that, so what? And again, a lot of people go, oh, but alcohol is so much worse. And I agree, alcohol is totally. way worse. Yeah, no question. But I'm just saying that there's medical um, studies out there proven, you know, in the American, you know, in, in scientific journals that are very established that talk about the development of the honey what's the what's that pre the prefrontal cortex prefrontal cortex right vortex cortex yeah just don't call me honey on the air scott <laughs> it just makes me the feel pre- i mean off air it's fine but the prefrontal cortex isn't developed until at least 25 years old and if you're 15 years old and you're smoking weed or taking drugs or drinking alcohol or any of that stuff it affects the development sure. of that and this is where uh, you're part of the brain where decision-making takes place. And so I just think that it's wrong to market to teenagers that it's okay to, to take drugs. Now, that being said, I'm for the legalization of yeah, all yeah, drugs. Yeah. If you want to go out and smoke yourself into oblivion, I don't give a shit. Go for it. I think, But don't market it to a generation of kids that are looking up to these pro surfers. I don't think there's a way to prevent it, though. Or the way to prevent I, I don't, the market. I agree. I'm not like you, you're, and I think you're also, first of all, making an assumption that that is Stab's demo. Is 13 maybe it's to not. 21? Maybe it's we, 21 to 31. We don't know, you know. So I, from a legal, here's what I do know. Yeah, is that my teenage daughter and son will check out Stab magazine. They do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they're in that and demo. Yeah. So, I I don't think that there's any legal recourse there's no liability for them there but from a moral standpoint is it okay to do that's the question that you're asking and i i mean honestly that's up for the parents of those kids to decide absolutely you know what i mean like they're going to get marketed to just when you're driving down the street or when you're listening to the radio everywhere you go i agree and so you can't prevent exposure what you can do is just give them the tools to make decisions on their own you know, and yeah. I think, like, I'll be honest to you. Which is why I'm okay with let's market heroin. Like, let's make it yeah. all legal and let's market heroin on stab. Let's market crystal meth on. Why not? Yeah. What's, look, it's all an escape. The guys, they're putting smoke into their lungs so that they can escape, so that yeah. they can have fun. Look, I. Have you ever been high on heroin? No. You can have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, that advertisement that weed maps did the nathan fletcher video to me was an anti weed maps advertisement i watched that and i watched nathan and i was like well i will not be doing many drugs moving forward in my life because 
he is shredding actually for a 43 year old but that's really the only um up the only cool part about the video was he's surfing pretty good and the guy's skating really good for being 43 other than that he didn't look Could so he, good. Does, do you think that cannabinoid, which is the, the psychoactive element in pot, do you think it makes you a better skater or a better surfer? Like I, from a performance ugh. standpoint, does it make you a better no, I don't. student? I don't think it makes you better or worse necessarily. Like, Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure itself. it's proven that it makes it worse. Yeah. But my own experience with marijuana, this is just me, my experience with marijuana is that it made me lazy. Yeah, sure. It made me mentally dull. It made me paranoid. I generally checked out. And I would suggest to you that I wasn't at the sharpest of my competitive game or my, the game of life right. when I was stoned. Sure. You know, to be stoned, they call it dope for a reason, you know, because it makes you well, dopey. That might have been a successful marketing campaign by somebody else, though. You know, hey, let's call it this thing because we want to prevent our kid from doing it. But I, I think that, look, you're talking about doing something type of weed that's available out there right now is very different and especially as it becomes legalized like people are going to be able to just smoke weed to wind down from the day without necessarily having any laziness incorporated into that because it's a specific strain and it's dosed appropriately like when you were doing weed when you were a kid or whatever it was just you're buying it off the street and you're smoking as much as possible because you're just there to get high, you know? So yeah, it's a different yeah. thing entirely. Yeah. And I'm not advocating for it. I just no, recognize yeah, that yeah. there are actual, there's very successful people leading very successful lives who are using it responsibly. And, I'm, and like I said, I'm for le- I like that it's legal. Yeah, I'm yeah, stoked that it's legal. And I want people to use it. If that makes them feel good, go for it. I just don't like the idea that there's a pro surfer that, in my opinion, it's being marketed, excuse me, marketed towards um, I, I under, see. underage I totally see what you're saying, and I do see the moral dilemma there. For me, I thought it was a very unsuccessful marketing attempt. Well, whether I saw it was it successful a, or not, the motive behind it, I think, is wrong. Correct. I agree with that. I just didn't watch it and just thought to myself, I would not. If I was Weed Maps, like, this is not the image that I want to be promoting. And I know we were talking about Joel Tudor. He's also involved with the company. You know, again, he's being angry and he's like using shaming one thing, alcohol sponsorship, and then promoting the other at the same time. I'm I'm not really down for that. It's like a smear campaign when the politicians are running for, you know, and it's like, I don't know, dude, that's also not the best way to market your product. You know, like all of what they're doing just feels, you guys are actually regressing the movement. I know you're early adapters and you're trying to get in before the green strike hits. You want to be, but this isn't, very smart. It's not very it's elevated. It's not smart. It's not. They're you mean marketing. It's dopey? <laughs> right. The marketing behind it, all of it. It's just like, this isn't very elevated. It's really just pandering down to people who are maybe like illegal drug users now transitioning into the legal market. It's not really catering to. Is it the lazy? Untapped- Would you suggest that it's lazy? I see the that point. It's you're mentally making. dull. <laughs> I see the point you're making. That's I just generally so checked out. Here's my thought yes. is that when this green strike hits, there are tens of millions of untapped customers that will now become customers. You guys are not focusing your marketing efforts to those people. You're focusing it on the people who are buying dime bags illegally on the street who now just want to be able to do it publicly. You know what I mean? So that's my issue um, with Weed Map's whole marketing campaign. Yeah. I, 
you know, I just, I just, yeah. I'm like I said, I don't want, I don't want. <laughs> I'm for the legalization you of all drugs. Clear, I get it, dude. Totally. By the way, Stab Magazine, same magazine that's saying, "Hey, look at this pro surfer. He uses pot. Maybe you should consider it too." <laughs> That same magazine did an article about these two bra boys from Australia's yeah. Maroubra Surf Gang. Yeah. These two bra boys murdered a homeless man. Then they crashed a 16-year-old girl's birthday party and beat up a bunch of people, including her father. And Mark Matthews, a bra boy, told Stab... Former. Former bra boy. Oh, it says, speaking to bra boy, Mark Matthews, earlier in the year, he told Stab Magazine, it started to go to shit. It started to become about drugs and violence recalls Matthews, of the beginning of the divide, which he pinpoints as the release of the wildly successful Bra Boys documentary in 2007. And this was exactly the stuff that led Matthews to distance himself from certain elements within the community that were also causing a large split between different groups in the suburbs. So, you know, this is just a horribly sad situation. And the idea that it's getting to this place where it's about how many drugs we can take yeah. and how many people we can beat up. Now, I'm not saying these guys are... I'm sure if they were stoned on weed, they'd just be like watching cartoons or something and eating, you know, whatever you eat when you're on... Doritos. Whatever's in the house, basically. <laughs> uh, do they do they have Doritos in Australia? I don't know. Maybe that's a local thing. So not to jump ahead into the show, but um, those guys are my kook of the week. It's a horrible story when I yeah. read it. I was almost apprehensive to even put it in the show is as the kook. But I wanted to because I wanted to hear your feedback on did you ever watch that movie, Bra Boys? I didn't. I'm not interested at all in any yeah. surf gangs, any violence, any um, this is my wave, this is my town, get out. Any yeah. of that crap is just a waste of my energy. Totally. I just do not care. Yeah. I I'm, went and saw it in the theater. Did you? <laughs> the exact opposite of you. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's nothing positive that's coming from any of that attitude at all. It is the pinnacle of uh, localism and like violence and all of that. And you kind of referenced yesterday that there was an altercation in the lineup out here. And I was actually in the water when it happened. And um, it's such a vibe killer, dude. Like, first of all, the beach. That so you were in the water remain, yesterday when that yeah. thing went down? Yeah. yeah. The beach that will remain nameless. Yeah. Uh, and the, pe- such, the people should remain nameless, too. Of course. Yeah. It's such a family vibe. It's like everybody's got their their van, their surf van open, spilling out onto the sand with the kids, with boxes of donuts, just having a blast. Everybody's in the lineup sharing waves, stand-up paddlers and shortboarders and longboarders alike. That when something like that happens, it's so contrary to just the vibe of the hundreds of people who are having fun on the beach. It was such a bummer and so unnecessary. Was it loud? Was it a loud confrontation? No. Yeah. It's, you know, the thing is, it's, there's, there's egos, you know, there's a limited resource of waves. There's egos, there's entitlement. There's, Hey, I've lived here. You know, don't you know who I am? It's all this crazy stuff that quite frankly, I've, I've, often fall victim to and i catch myself going what am i why am i acting like a 15 year old yeah you know and i've got to check myself and i need to apologize and i need to um try to become mature on some level you know and 
I guess that's what happened yesterday. I wasn't in the water when this confrontation occurred, but I think that there was two guys that have big egos and and you know alpha male mentalities, and one guy's not going to get pushed around by another guy, and when they do get pushed around, you know it. It's just funny because you know their whole stance is. I'm the man out here. And when it gets to that point, it's like, look at the two boys. Right. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But again, contrary to the entire intention of the day, like we're all just having fun. And now I've got this sour taste in my mouth for the rest of the day. And again, you look at the beach, all these families, all these kids building sandcastle. Like it's a blast. We're living in paradise. And then that's just like, oh, man, sullied everything. Yeah. And that's the way I felt about reading that story. Like, I mean, you kind of buried the lead. They murdered a homeless man. I know. Like, that's gnarly. And they were brothers. They were 18 and 19 – or no, 19 and 20-year-old brothers. And it sounds like they just beat him up, but he he ended up dying. So it wasn't like their intention was to kill the guy. But it's – like, why would you beat up a homeless man? It's so disturbing. Well, I, I'm assuming there's drugs and alcohol, probably yeah. al- a lot of alcohol. And it's like, let's prove ourselves to this surf gang community that we're a part of. They, one of them had my brother's keeper tattooed on his chest. Which is a hallmark of the Bra Boys. Right. Yeah. It's an and, indicator. And it's just... Somebody... I mean, you kind of nailed it earlier. It kind of comes down to parenting. And, you know, it's just... It's horrible. Somebody was saying, like, if you locked up all males from the age of 18 to 25, it would eliminate 99% of crime in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally. Like, that's where it all happens. I, I would also argue that if you eliminated alcohol, like, somehow you could just eliminate alcohol from the world. Like, yeah. magically make it disappear. It doesn't... Uh, 90% of the crime statistics would fall away as well. Yeah. I agree. It's amazing. And you don't see it. A lot of times you'll be watching the news and it'll be like, man storms into house and does some crazy thing. And nowhere do you see, <laughs> oh, he happened to drink a 12-pack beforehand. You know, like right. it's usually alcohol or drugs is involved in a n- numerous situations. I wanted to ask you something since today was the first day that we surfed together. Yeah. Um, Aren't you going to tell people that you saw me fall and eat shit? I w- wasn't going to. That was such a good wave, though, dude. <laughs> I will say... I tripped on my visor. Yeah. <laughs> I will say... I... There was... Um, it was it was a pretty, like, fast wave, and you spun late and took off kind of sideways. So I didn't think that it was, like, a guaranteed that you were going to make it. I thought there was definite opportunity to kind of go wrong, and you did. You blew it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like... I was like, I could have blown that, too, pretty easily, because it was just... It was late or whatever. Yeah. But... I wanted you to have it because, like, that was a good wave. Yeah. It would have been a good opportunity to just, like, showcase. But I couldn't have skills. fallen in a better place. You were right, right in, front in front of me. me. You were right in front of me. I turned beat red. I'm like, oh, great. I, I totally was impressed by up. your recovery of the board because we were both leashless. And I saw you going down. And I was like, shoot, he's going to lose his board. And you held on to it. Yeah. That showed some skill. Yeah, well, there you go. Optimism. <laughs> Finding something good out of something bad. Your finest skill is falling. Oh, well God. done. Yes, thank um, you. No, so I wanted to ask you, though, uh, am I too aggressive in the lineup? Because I felt that way out there yesterday. I burned my buddy, but he, he gave me the, the okay to do it. And then today I kind of took off on somebody, but then just kicked out right away. And then I, I do little things and I realize, oh, I think I'm imposing my Huntington Beach mentality, which is like paddle for every wave 
and then if somebody else shows intent, then I'll back off. But like, I'm gonna just show intent first, hoping that they then back off. And then I kind of realize I've gotten a lot more waves than these other guys, and maybe I should just go sit off on the shoulder for 20 minutes to like, you know, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Was I, I didn't notice any okay, sort good. of o- overly aggressive behavior on your part. Look, it's Sunday afternoon. The waves are one to two feet. Sunday morning, one to two feet. Warm summer day. You know, 35, 40 surfers in the water with three waves coming in every three minutes. Or, yeah. You know, it's like, dude, just go. Yeah. It's okay, more cool. like Queens or Canoes and Waikiki than anything else totally. on a day like that. Everyone's just out there to, just because the water's warm. Yeah. All right, cool. I was feeling a little too aggro, and then I... Well, generally, if you're feeling that way, it's probably because you are. And so it's a good idea to take yeah. a break or slow down on the paddle back out or... Don't even paddle back out. Just surf some insiders. I mean, you know what to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. <coughs> feel, feel vindicated then. So, um, Chopu event. It's coming up. It's the next CT. And um, I was looking at the line. They, they put the seeds out. I don't know if you saw the. Mm-mm. They put it out there. And not having Kelly on my team, I'm going to shake up my team. Are you now? Yeah. I'm going to shake up my team. I mean, not too much, but it's going to be anchored by John, John, and Gabe. But Safe bets. But beyond that, I might throw Wilco into the mix at Chopu if I can afford him. Yeah. He's made the semis out there. Did he make the final last year? He may have. I forget. I, I like, I like Leo. There. No. Because he's a rookie? Get out of town. That's dude. not a good one, huh? No, no. I want you to put him on your team. No, I was going <laughs> to. Good. But I'm not. Well, it's one of those spots where you, it's a veteran spot. I think it's important to have time in the water out there. And so that is kind of a long shot, right? So this is one where you could put somebody like Jadson that's been around, been on tour a while. This is a spot for you know, who's in there, Nat Young. Nat Young's in the, in the event. He would be a good one. You're going to get him for value. Yeah, probably 1.5. Right. That's yeah. a really great, good value pick. Yeah. But do you took... What about, like, Frederico Marias? No. No, sir. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so it's an interesting it's, – it's sort of an interesting um, event because it does – this is one of those ones where it's a veterans usually do well. And there's a lot of veterans to pick at value because they've all done so shitty this year. Like Josh Kerr, you're going to get him for $4 million? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm taking Josh Kerr. Dude, the guy hasn't won a heat all year. Yeah, he, it's over for him. Yeah. So what has he got to lose? Yeah. Um, I've got an interesting thought or something that I read. Jordy Smith, world title contender this year. I think he's in second place right now. I'll have to double check. Yeah. Um, he, I think, looks stronger than ever. He's not proven in backside barrels, and he knows that's his weak spot, and that's what everybody says that he needs to work on. There was... um. There was an interesting, I don't know if it was an article or if it was in the comments of Stab Magazine on something they posted. They were saying if Jordy wins a world title this year, it's going to be the saddest, like the most um, tame world title win ever. He's surfing at 70% of his potential in every event. When you look at Jordy's highlight reel of his career, He's doing full rotors. He's doing these massive blowout turns, tons of power. But then you watch him in events at J-Bay. 
He's and he's restrained. serving 70% of that. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's, it's like in order for him to actually achieve his greatest career goal, which is a world title, he has to give a 70% version of himself, which is really an indictment of the WSL and the judging criteria. It's not an indictment of Jordy. It's like, well, Jordy's figured out the equation, and the equation is do 70% of me. Well, what happens when he does 100% of me in, in the competitive format? He fails. He falls. Yeah. Yeah. He, he falls or... Okay, well, that's on him. Maybe he falls Felipe Toledo's given 150%. Maybe he falls or maybe those things have proven to not score in the past, you know? No, I think 100% of Jordy scores higher than 70% of Jordy. I just think that, um, like I said, you know, he, he falls. So if he was able to apply all of his ability in the competitive format, then he would be blowing people away. I think so. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's been heats like at Bells. There's, there's, there's been heats, I think a couple of years ago at Bells, where he just absolutely shredded the crap yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he's, you know, I think 100% of Jordy's proven to do well. I think he holds back because he's like, I, he's starting to feel it. He's like, okay, I got to get through these heats, so let's not go 100%. Of course, that usually backfires. Yeah. I mean, well, you're saying that, are you saying that Philippe Toledo's not giving, only giving 70%? No. No, I, I think Felipe does his best surfing on tour, for sure. Yeah. And I think that Jordy needs to start doing his best surfing on tour. I'm actually interviewing his coach this week. Who? Uh, Chris Gallagher. Oh, interesting. And so I'm going to ask a lot of those questions. And I wonder, I think this is the first year that Galley's been working with Jordy. And so that's got to be a reflection. I mean, his. Um, he's in third, by the way, right now in the rankings. Him being in third has to be a reflection of the coaching. You know, I think this event is going to be really interesting. How has Jordy done in the past at Chopu? It Terribly. doesn't stand out like some spot that he's been dominant. He's well, well known to his biggest weakness is backside barrels. Well, this will be an interesting event. Um, I hope there's a lot of swell. Yeah. And. Would you be putting Jordy Smith on your team? I don't think so. He's too expensive. Yeah. Like, if in that upper tier on fantasy, I would way rather give that money to John John, Gabriel, Owen Wright. Mick Fanning? No. I think Fanning's done okay out there, but I no. I like Owen Wright. Yeah. Owen, and by the way, Wilco's sitting number one right now. Wilco, I've, I've, yeah. I could put, I would see Wilco on my team for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know this is kind of a tired point. We've covered it a lot, but Julian Wilson. Red Bull just put out a video with Julian Wilson. It was insane. His free surfing. His free surfing is insane. It's so good. It's so incredible. It's so it's so it's kind of better than John John. It's it's insane. I like would it's agree. so it's so sparkling crystal like tight. It's just like there's nothing wrong. There's no stupid check turns. Everything transitions and flows and he almost looks like he's just angry he didn't do well at J-Bay, and he just st- stood around, for, hung out for another week, and absolutely just took it to town. It's shocking. It's shocking how good it is. How he can't convert that to results. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful to watch. It the is. The style, everything. technique, everything it's is so good. on. And then, like, as... It's state-of-the-art. As, flowly, as um, flowing... As his turns are, top turn, bottom turn, blah, blah, blah. Then he'll hit the end section and just blow it out into a big spin in the air with zero hitch in the step, 
zero compromise of style, zero compromise of speed, power, flow. It's just freakishly good. That is my musty moment. You have to watch that. It's yeah. insane. It is state of the art. It's it, freakishly good, dude. It's it's awesome, and that's why he's in our top, you know, four or five guys that um, haven't won a world title that need to. Julian, Kolohe, Jordy. Um, I'm trying to remember who's the other Felipe. I think that was the three that we started this year with. Yeah, but I think um, Jordy will potentially this year. Kolohe still got years. No, no, Julian. No. All, we we pinpointed that all of these guys are in like either year five through nine of like this is when you have to strike when you're young when you're between 25 and 30 years old you know like i i don't think julian's gonna figure out the combination as amazing as the guy is i just don't think he's gonna figure it out he's in eighth place right now did he just get married julian he got married last year yeah so jordy got married a couple years ago right yeah and i think that julian still has time you know but i I think when you have have these Social dynamics, things get changed up a bit. It takes them a bit to kind of settle into domestic life and yeah. be on tour. You've mentioned that before. Jordy seems to be kind of in that comfort zone now. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving Julian some time. But that's, that surfing, you have to watch that surfing of Julian Bay. It's insane. Well, my must-see moment is um, – a session that went down just two or three days ago, Mason Ho surfing cylinders. That was insane. The stuff's on Instagram, and so I'll repost it. But um, Mason, obviously, is just super fun to watch no matter what. But there's a couple. And so for listeners, cylinders is just down the beach from the wedge. Everybody's seen footage of the wedge before in Newport Beach, just huge shore break, 20-foot shore break. Cylinders is a right that breaks just down the beach. And a lot of guys have been surfing it in recent years. And um, Chris Ward was out there this last week. Mason, obviously. And he gets a couple waves that are so gnarly. Like, head, he drops in. He does the Michael Ho look down at your feet thing. You know, and Mason's done it a lot of backdoor and other spots. But he drops in, like, looking at his feet. And then pulls up or just... It's the weirdest read on the wave, but it's very intuitive, and it's a closeout, and then he ends up making it somehow. So it's just really, really radical. And that's what I love about Mason, too, is he makes novelty waves look so much fun, like so much fun, whether it's rock piles in Hawaii or um, or just shore break like at the wedge. The guy's a freakish talent as well. So that's my musty moment. Fair enough. You were mentioning the Kelly Slater Surf Ranch, and you brought up all the things that were happening regarding a contest and music festival. But I'm not sure. Did you bring up the fact that they've applied for to be year-round open to the public? No, I did not. I'm know reading that this right now. Kelly, oh. the next slate, uh, the next phase for Kelly Slater's wave pool has become evident, according to a story by the Sentinel. The Kelly Slater Wave Company has filed an application this summer with Kings County in Lamar, California, to open to the public year-round to hold events, to put in bleachers, and much more. Okay. No, 8,000 guests per day. Okay. Wow. Crazy. Um, so anyway, I was yeah. just reading that yeah, online. Yeah. Sorry. They did. Volcom actually did a really good video on Kelly. Did you watch that? No, but it, I saw it. It was pretty interesting. Um, we spent so much time on the show talking about Kelly that I didn't put it in my notes, and I figured everybody had already watched it. But um, he was talking about how 
his a lot of his success he attributes to just trying to cover up um, personal issues and sorry about that personal issues and like interpersonal struggles that he was having in relationships and he just focused on competitive surfing instead of focusing on the issues that were going on in his life and i thought that was kind of interesting hmm. you know i might check that out using it as a opportunity or a way to kind of divert his focus hmm. so all right um i've got a kook and a duke well my kook was the bra boys but yeah my me too my duke yes pete mel okay pete mel He's our commentator on the WSL. He was a big wave uh, world tour commissioner for the last couple of years. He stepped down from that commissioner role, and now he's actually surfing the big wave world tour. Yeah. He surfed the Puerto Escondido. Yeah, I saw that. How gnarly is that? Oh, that guy's a shark. And you saw the wave that he got. He got got like one (laughs) super sick right. Yeah. He ended up losing in the first round of the event. I think that right was actually in a free surf before the event. Yeah. But... Dude, the guy is a hero. Like, the guy, we know and love him from the commentary team. How old is he? Mid-40s? Yeah. And he's still at the top of his game. Yeah. At the top of his big wave game, anyway. Yeah. He said he's been surfing Mavericks with his boy, John Mel Jr. Yeah. John Mel, you know. John Mel, yeah. The young John Mel. Yeah. Um, and I just think, Pete, it's like, dude, the guy's got a lot of skill sets. He's wearing a lot of hats, but he's still at the top of his game in this super death-defying arena. To see one of our commentators that we know and love on the WSL in the lineup in a big wave world tour event and then actually getting A plus waves is so rad. So Pete Mel. Yeah, well, and you know, all those commentators are hardcore surfers and Pete Mel's just a hardcore surfer. I mean, that's what he loves. I mean, that's his thing, you know. And uh I'm more power to him. I'm stoked to see that I mean, you and I were arguing that he should have been in the Titans of Mavericks yeah. event that never happened. He he um released an edit i don't think i ever posted it he released an edit earlier in the year like right around snapper which was just like him surfing throughout the summertime or the or the winter actually and it was radical it wasn't just big wave stuff it was like him actually ripping on small days yeah and uh i'm just a huge fan i think the guy rips and i've actually he's been around huntington a lot in recent years and i surfed newport with him a while back and he got one of the sickest right barrels i've seen in like out of anybody you know like the local pros and everything and he was like on the set wave back door to peak on a right and got blown out and i was like well that That's was rad cool. that was rad yeah for like a mid 40s dude so pete mel well um my um duke konamoku is uh, mick fanning and bethany hamilton they were both inducted into the Surfers Hall of Fame in Huntington Beach. And did you happen to catch Mick Fanning surfing the river in Germany? No. There's some video of him that was just put out. And it's pretty hard and pretty humbling. Mick Fanning's kind of fails a few times. No way. This is that river bore. And um, those things are hard to surf. Is if it you're not a bore or a standing wave? Standing, I don't know. Standing. Standing, yeah, it wasn't a bore. No, yeah, it was a standing yeah. wave. Standing wave, yes. And... Uh, and Mix tries to surf it and basically goes, hey, man, this is way harder than it looks. And sure enough, when you see him, you know, mm-hmm. he, he fails a few times, eventually kind of figures it out. But um, Bethany and Mick, congratulations. I was considering putting Mick on my kook of the week. Oh. Even though I'm a huge fan. You know why? No. Why? Because he's endorsing a new product, oh. Mick Fanning Soft Tops. Oh. I think, it, I think they're called MF, uh, MF Soft Top. It's yeah. his own line of soft tops. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're anti. <laughs> no, that's well, that's why I didn't put him because I thought it was a kook move and then I was like, I kind of want one. <laughs> so I did the, see a video where they he gave Joel Parkinson's kid one or something. Did you was see it that? Black? I don't know, it had MF are, on it. It was an okay. MF soft top okay. and it said MF on it and it was I think Joel posted it, and it was Mick giving Joel's kid a new board. Got it. Yeah, because yeah, I the one I saw Mick riding was black, so I was wondering if that was like his whole line was black. But um, I'm in the market for a soft top, and so I was thinking, like, shoot, I don't know if those MFs are available around here, but I might want to grab one because I don't really want to support Wavestorm. Oh, you need to get an INT. Is that what you INT? Have? I don't have one, but that's the if I did get a soft top, that's the one that I would get. Yeah. INT. Um, local company here out of the North San Diego County area, and um, yeah, and their their boards are just, like they're actually pretty nice rails. You know, like they're you'd ride one and go, wow, I could probably ride this for the rest of my life. There's guys I know that that's all they ride is INT boards because they've got and they're like, great surfers. Design characteristics, and yeah. it's not just no. They're just yeah. They they've got they're made by surfers. They're like yeah. let's make this thing work. You know, they've and they've got a bunch of different models. It's not just a long board. Yeah, I right? think Channel Islands even has an INT model. Oh, do they? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, INT then. So I've got a couple, at least one email I want to read real quick before we leave. It says, David and Scott, I've just been listening to the latest episode of Spit. Wow. I had not realized what a macho man David is. Regarding wearing a helmet while surfing, I have a couple of questions specifically for David. So anyway, yeah, he's saying you're a macho man for not wanting to wear a helmet, right? Okay. Thank you. Yes, I am. So here are the couple of questions specifically for you, David. One, do you wear a seatbelt while driving? Two, do you look both ways before crossing the street? Three, do you wear a helmet while mountain biking? Four, do you wear earplugs while surfing? And five, do you wear a helmet and a life jacket when you go whitewater rafting? Need I go on? If you answer to any of the above is yes, then... You are being inexplicably inconsistent. And, David, I have your response that I'm going to read. That's from Ben Spencer. Ben's a uh, friend of the show. Here's he always what, gives us grammatical feedback, too. Here's what Ben, here's what David's replied to Ben. Do you want to read it? No, you okay. go. This is David talking to Ben, emailing back to Ben. Ben, thank you so much. I'm so flattered to finally receive the Macho Man acknowledgement that I've jockeyed for. Validating, but alas, overdue. To answer your questions. One, no, seatbelts rub my nipple raw. Two, we don't walk anywhere in Southern California. Therefore, that's not applicable. Three, only nerds mountain bike. Four, no, I don't wear ear tampons. And five, you wrote four twice. <laughs> keep that noggin intact. I'll keep my dignity intact. Just kidding. Always appreciate your thoughtful engagement, Ben. David Lee Scales. Suck it, Ben. Sit down. <laughs> wow, Ben. David's calling you out, pal. Ben, you're not welcome here, dude. <laughs> oh, my. Get your own podcast. Oh, lordy, lordy, And lordy. talk about helmets all you want. Oh, my. You're so not anyway. welcome here. Anyways, if they do yeah. want to send emails... To the show, Scott. How do they get a hold of you? You know what? My best email is uh, scott at boardroomshow.com. All right. Mine is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then 
Go to the Spit website. Spitpodcast.com. Spitpodcast.com is where you can catch the must-see moments. Um, all the things that we All the things that we discuss show. in the show. Pete Mel shredding. Right. And then on in, how do they get a hold of you on Instagram? At Boardroom Show, I think it is? At Boardroom Show. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, Scott. Hey, man. Monumental day in our relationship today. Yeah, I feel like my energy and my um, my production quality or my... Um, I'm not sure I was prepared enough for today's show as I would like to be, but um, thanks for bearing with me. But monumental day because we got to shred together. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, adios and aloha.